Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Aliza Kelly, and I'm so delighted to to introduce you guys to a new friend of mine because we're both Leos and that's just how Leos roll. It's like you meet another Leo and it's an instant connection. But Jade is also a Leo moon, a Libra rising. This is Jade Sykes, the astrologer. I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so happy to connect with you. We have so much to talk about. Thanks for being here. Hi, Aliza. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here as well. So first and foremost, let me ask, when did you first discover you were a Leo? I have no idea, girl. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. I do not know. Do you mind if I curse? I mean, no, I no, curse? no. Please, please. Okay. I'm sorry. Sometimes I have a potty mouth. Oh, no, um, no. Please. I, I don't, it's, it doesn't <laughs> even register to me as like bad words. <laughs> I know. See, thank you. Exactly. I've always said that. Like, who said these were bad words? But um, I just know one day in college... I just decided that I like I like this guy and I knew he was a cancer and I just decided to look up Leo woman cancer man and it, it went from there. That's my journey yeah. to astrology. It just went from there. I don't know what came over me, but that's just what I did. And then that's how I got into it. But I don't have no idea when I discovered I was a Leo. But I will tell you this. Most Leos almost always know their birth time. Vast majority of Leos, they just tend to know it from like. Uh, early age. I've always known my birth time since I was like six years old. We did this project and I've always known that I was born um, like in the middle of the afternoon. That's so interesting. I knew my birth time, but I had it wrong. I thought I was born at 528 a.m. and not 528 p.m. So for the first two years of me (gasps) being, I know it's it's really deeply fucked up. So I thought that I was a Leo sun, Leo rising because I would have been born at dawn. And I knew that I was a Pisces. You know, for me, it was like discovering I was a Pisces moon was such an important portal into astrology that at that point I was more focused on like, and that didn't change. So I was like really, you know, focused on diving into understanding this Pisces moon and like the complexity and like, and explaining like why I feel so, so many big feelings. So and it, I was in my early 20s. So thankfully, I hadn't gotten too into like ascendant theory at that moment yet. Mm-hmm. But it was when I finally got my – it was actually not my birth certificate. I had a an uncle who passed away when I was three who was an astrologer. And I didn't know he was an astrologer. My mom wow. busted out this birth chart he had calculated for me. He had done by hand. And on it, it said – it was like every – it was like a flipped upside down chart from what I had been looking at. And I was like – this is wrong. Like it's 528 PM. <laughs> and then I was, I, I went to the birth certificate and I was like, oh shit. No, he was right. I was wrong. So then to discover I was a Capricorn rising, I cried at first. I was like, I can't believe this. I was so excited. I was like my double Leo. And then I was like, you know what? This actually really checks out. <laughs> this makes so much more sense than the other chart um, that I had been working with. The mm-hmm. Capricorn rising like really clarified everything. And I think it actually really took my my journey with astrology to the next level to finally get that information and have it be correct, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, girl, I would have been so dead. Oh my God. <laughs> I no. mean, and you are, you are a Leo sun, Leo rising. So imagine if suddenly someone was like, actually you're a Capricorn rising. Leo <laughs> it's such, such a different vibe. 
well, I have Libra rising 27 degree. And so I thought one day I was playing around with it and my mom, I was talking to my mom about my birth time, just making sure I had all the facts straight. And so I, for a second, I thought I was Libra rising 28 degree. And I was about to have a meltdown. Like my whole <laughs> life is a lie. Every single interpretation I've done for myself is a lie. Because once we start talking about degree theory a little bit later, you'll see why I'm saying that. Because the down to the degree, every single minuscule detail in the chart is important. And I know you being a Virgo Mars will understand why details are so important, but that is really cool. You had an uncle that was an astrologer. I I have no idea if I have family members that were into astrology. I kind of highly doubt it. You know, I'm from Memphis. I'm from the deep South. So um, astrology, uh, hoodoo, witchcraft, anything, anything that's not strictly Bible Belt Jesus is looked down upon. People back then wouldn't have even had access to that type of information. So I doubt if they would even touched it if they did find a book like that. So I, I highly doubt it. And I have no way of knowing because my um, my grandfather, he does not like astrology. My grandmother, she she's indifferent, but she's like, eh. So I have no one to ask anyway. So mm -hmm. I'm in the dark here, but it's, there's me. So How does your family feel about your pursuits now? They don't give a fuck. They are totally indifferent. They are very indifferent. They are just like, mm. my mother is, uh, she's Bible Belt Christian. She's just totally against it. She's the one that is wholeheartedly against it. Uh, my grandfather, I was on the phone with him this morning and I was like, yeah, I'm getting ready for this interview. I, I said, it's a podcast. It's basically like the radio on the internet. And he <laughs> said, oh, okay. So you're getting, you're doing this new job interview. And I said, no, they're interviewing me. I'm the star. And he said, huh? For what? And I was like, for what I do. And he was like, okay. And I was like, okay. My father, he is, he didn't care until I started making money. I was always paying my own rent and stuff the last two years because I'm only 23. So, you know, I was just getting out there into the world. But then once I started, you know, being able to afford a couple of nicer things, that's when he was like, oh, you know, now, now I see you have some um, viability to what you do. And see, he has a second house Saturn. So second house oh, wow. Saturn. So yeah, he needed to see the proof. Yeah. So that second house Saturn person, he wanted to see that change, like ugh, whatever. Now my brothers and sisters, they are um, very supportive. They're very supportive for what I do. My younger brother, he's still kind of like, you know, whatever. He's just a boy or whatever. But my older sister, very supportive. She tells my nieces and nephews what I do. And then she'll call me and she'll be like, tell Jade we're proud of her. Tell Jade we're happy for her. So she's very supportive. My best friend, she's very supportive of me. She loves what I do. She always listens to me talk about it. She always listens to all the astrological advice I give her. It's really changed her life around. Like, it's crazy. So you're, I, it's like, I, we, when, before we started recording, we had mentioned what years we were born and you said 97. And obviously I know that that's almost 10 years younger than me, but 23, oh my God, that is so young and <laughs> it's so cool. And I don't mean that in any sort of like, no, you're good. Patronizing way. No, you're good. I started astrology when I was, I started really getting into it in my early twenties and I have never done anything else, you know? So I was Pre, I guess it was like my first Saturn square before my Saturn return that really solidified it. And then obviously the Saturn return comes up. But I guess the reason that I'm framing it this way is like your career must have just like blasted the fuck off in a very short amount of time. And, because... and, and the fuck it did on God. So how I and I, you know, I saw your Patreon. You're killing it. You have over 100,000 on Twitter you're 23. Like, this is incredible stuff. What do you think this magic 
how like what's your magical secret? No secret. It's all determined in the chart. The potential deter- it's all determined by the chart. So for example, people were asking me about 2 weeks ago on the TL, they were like, you know, Jade, um, you know, what what do I need to do if I have an astrology account and I want to get it big and I want to get a following or blah blah blah, you know, and I'm like well, the first things first you got to do, you need to look at your 11th house and you need to see, no offense, but you need to see if you even have the potential for a very large following. You know, there's lots of people here. They can they can be a great astrologer. Like my, my like I have a uh, an Indian friend. He lives in India. Oh my, I'm India. He is an amazing astrologer. He tells me crazy things. Oh my gosh. I don't even know his real name. He's super secret Scorpio type guy. I don't even know his real <laughs> name. He, but he loves me and he tells me great things. But he's a great astrologer. Barely like less than 3,000. I don't I don't even think he really cares. You know, everybody doesn't have that potential. It, it would show in the chart. So not everybody can even have that potential. And that is just the cold heart truth of the matter. Everybody cannot be a you know celebrity astrologer. And I'm not saying that on a high horse, but I'm giving it to you matter of fact. And I know as a Virgo, you understand exactly what I'm saying. Um, secondly, in my chart, so my MC, it's at the first degree, it's at one degree Leo. So, you know, Leo is that star quality, that celebrity type energy, right? And then the first degree is an Aries degree. This is from Nikola Stojanovic's degree theory. Nikola Stojanovic is a Serbian astrologer. Have you heard of the degree theory? I love the degrees, but I would love to hear your thoughts on all the degrees. So the first degree is an Aries degree. You know, Aries represents things that are quick and fast paced. So when you put the first degree or any Aries degree on uh, the MC, that shows a career that is going to move quickly, going to be more fast paced. And then, you know, Aries represents things that are first, things that happen before anything else. So my career took off before my friends and family took off before the people in my social circle, 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 took off before most of my other um, astro peers around me, you know, even though they all have their own careers, mine just kind of blew up more quickly with the star quality and things, you know, I'm reading for SZA and Kalani like that, that shit happened out the blue. And there are, uh, and then I have my Leo sun and moon in the 10th. So the whole essence of my being is completely right there, broadcasted for the world to see right up there for grabs. So it was only natural that I get selected out of everybody else, you know, that was um, available to be chosen from. Um, let's see, what else, was another thing I was going to say? Also, it's the fact that I have the Leo you know the Leo Sun, Leo being <clears throat> Leo being in a, Leo Sun being in its domicile that also helps Virgo Mercury. My Vir- my Mercury is exalted in its own I'm also sign. Virgo Mercury. Oh my God, we are even more similar than yeah. I thought. You understand <laughs> everything I'm saying? I don't have yeah. to explain shit. I love it. I love not having to explain. I, don't, I never have to over explain. We can just make eye contact all the way. Yeah, you just get it. Like <laughs> yeah, just listening, just taking it in, taking it in, taking and it in. And then the the ruler of my eleventh house, which is the Virgo. Mercury is in the 11th house and that amplifies my 11th house qualities, right? And then my chart, it's it's set up for the money. It's set up for everything. It just is. Now that doesn't mean that I don't have my own personal problems. That doesn't mean that it didn't, that I didn't go through a lot of hell to get to where I am because I most certainly did, but it's set up pretty damn favorably. And um, I had to bypass a lot of opportunities to get to where I am now. And I'll tell you how. So I have my Leo sun and moon in the 10th, right? 
Um, my Leo sun is trining second house Pluto, you know, uh, second house being finances and things. Um, Pluto will amplify whatever it touches. And then uh, my 10th house Leo moon is square second house Pluto. You know, the square shows external conflicts and struggles, that difficulty, right? The sun being the father and the moon being the nurturing parent in general. And then the sun can be the um, dominant parent in general. But in this case, they're both kind of representing my father in this case, right? When I tell you my father kind of, he's a, you know, he's a good dad, but he kind of, um, I kind of, he kind of, he kind of held me back from different opportunities I could have had. And if, if it wasn't for him holding back those financial opportunities for me, cause you know, because of, because those 10th house placements, my career, my aspirations hitting my second house of, um, the things that I value, cause it was my values versus his in that way. So for example, when I was 12 years old, I spent one day at my grandma's house. She didn't have any internet. So I spent the whole day making Sims 2 videos. I made a Sims 2 story about uh, this woman that didn't know she was pregnant. Do you remember that TLC story? I didn't know I was pregnant. Yeah, of that? course. That, that, that show. I was obsessed with pregnancy back then. I was a <laughs> weird-ass 12-year-old. Yeah, just, Well, that's I'm a the progressed lunar return time, so that makes a lot of sense. Very. And so um, that those three videos ended up racking up over 2.5 million views. Wow. This was 2009, back before Sims, Sims YouTubers were getting offered money and partnerships. Now Sims YouTubers are very wealthy. They're millionaires. YouTube offered me partnership. I was ready to get to work on Sims videos. I would have been a very popular Simmer right to this day because I was a, I was great at the Sims. My Sims shit was amazing. And so I told my dad, dad, they want to offer me partnership, but I need a bank account for the money to go. I'm trying to get this shit on the road. And he was like, what? And keep in mind, my dad is not an idiot. He's an engineer. He has a master's degree. He's very successful. It wouldn't have taken shit for him to see why the fuck does this billion dollar company want to pay my daughter? Right. Past opportunity. Then I was 13. I heard about Bitcoin. I said, dad, this Bitcoin shit is going to be huge. You need to go ahead and buy and invest. Dad, it's going to be huge. He's not listening to me. What? 10 years? No, not even 10 years later. Bitcoin hits $10,000 a share. Didn't listen. And he yeah. admitted he was wrong for that. So that's so it's so interesting. And I I I love thinking about Saturn and Daddy and and the journey into our twenties of sort of reclaiming what we know is going to sustain us in longevity. You know, and that's why you know it's like this obviously started prior to this moment, of course, but. I do think that tracking those Saturn squares is really interesting because it's like those are milestones of being like, I think I know what I'm doing here. And then until you get to that full orbit, it's like you're still reacting, you know, and it's like depending on how these different characters show up in your chart slash in your life, you know, the reality versus the symbolic reality, you're going to have different you're going to have different sort of battles and struggles with it. Like my Saturn is in my 12th house and everything has been like nothing has ever been clear to me you know like hmm. everything the way that my family talked about money the way they talked about their success their loss of money has always been almost like mythological and more like folklore than actually tangible understanding of what's really going on so when i started you know trying to build a life for myself after college I had no fucking idea what I was doing because I was given, I had no manual, 
You know, I had no instructions because everything had been so weird and 12th housey and foggy and distorted. So, of course, it was like, well, I guess astrology, you know, like, I guess uh-huh. I can try to find figure it the out through astrology. Right. And that's what your that's what your name is on Twitter right now. Yes, yes. But I I'm love like, that. <laughs> my name on Twitter is the blueprint because, oh, my God, please. I feel like as a Leo, you will understand me when I say, well, you, I don't mean this in a um, boastful, arrogant Leo way, but I, it's I just get copied a lot. Like people will just copy me. I kid you not. I can tweet. I can tweet something. 16 minutes later, somebody will reword it. And tweet basically the exact same thing I said. What's be the very- fucking deal with that? What it's is, the it's the Aquarian the energy, the Aquarian energy in me. And like you know, I told you, I've got a very uh, strong eleventh house, eleventh house energy. People who are Aquadom, whatever, any type of Aquarian type energy. I don't know if you know, but I do use the ABC method. It definitely works. Most astrologers on oh, Twitter don't. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because we people talk have been about asking it. me about it recently. We need to talk about it because yeah. it does work. Okay. You, so- you, Yes. So tell us about the ABC method, because it's really I I say this little expression, tank, there are no coincidences. And recently people have been hitting me up about the ABC method. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that I studied with. It's not something that I incorporated into my practice. So I'm like, you know, I'm saying to them, I don't know how to use this method. I'll let me look into it and see what I think. But I would love to know from you and for our listeners what it is and how you can utilize it. Bro. I didn't even know it was, I didn't even know it had a name until this year. <laughs> That's just how I learned. I learned astrology on my little iPhone. I would, um, and I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason. Like I would just, after after college, after work a couple of years ago, I would just get off work and go lay in the bed and just Google astrology on my little iPhone all day. You know, they get, you know, they're, you know, they're smaller every previous year. So they're just so tiny and I'm just Googling astrology. And so I didn't know it had a name, but on the websites and stuff I would look at, it was literally just Aries equals Mars, Mars equals the first house, and they're all synonymous. And that was the information I absorbed. And so as I've gone about my practice throughout the years, that is what I remember. That's what I do. And it has always worked. However, as I have matured as an astrologer, I do recognize that there are times where I, where, the, you know, there are times where you have to um, separate them. You just have to be able to use your common sense about when to separate them, but you can still recognize that they are all generally synonymous. And I'll give you an example about separating them. So for example, I was watching a video about composite charts the other day. For the listeners who don't know, a composite chart is basically when you put together the charts of two people and you make it one, and it's how those two people act together as one person kind of like in a relationship whether it is whether it is romantic or not so and the astrologer was talking about a composite first house moon right and so like i said in general the first house is synonymous with aries and mars right and we know that mars and aries it represents uh you know the aggression the go forth the what are you going to do about it type energy right but the astrologer was talking about how the composite first house moon placement is about a couple who is very wrapped up into each other right right and so that type of energy doesn't really have anything to do. It's not, that's not, that doesn't really describe the planet Mars. Mars is the battle, the warrior. That doesn't really. And so at that point, you don't have to try to, oh my God, that doesn't have anything to do with Mars. Where can I fit Mars in? Just, you know, use your common sense and just take Mars out for that little interpretation. It's well, okay. also, I, I have the privilege of seeing you on video, but 
when you said they were wrapped up in each other, you were embracing. Mm-hmm. Mars is also the physical body. Mars yeah, the fir- and the first house is like the physical like they're probably really into the way each other look. And you know? I was gonna and I was gonna say that Mars is the self. So yes. if composite so if the composite chart is the chart of two people together, that they're one, they're wrapped up in the self, the body of them being one. So yeah. that is Martian in nature. But then the the astrologer didn't describe any other Martian qualities. That does not mean they are not there, but People and I, and I say people on Twitter because that is my that's my domain. So that's what I know. Uh, I don't usually frequent other um, astrology forums or blogs or anything. I've just been on Twitter for many years since I was like a kid, like I was like fifteen. But um, uh, I mean, we're smiling at each other. I know y'all can't see it. But um, so people, people on Twitter, they will oh they will freak out and they'll just be like, no, that's not Martian. I just like common sense. You got to use it like it's okay. And you might discover one day that if you do have a a first house composite moon with somebody, there probably will be other Martian qualities. I'm pretty sure if I were to observe it, there probably will be them. But in the meantime, if it doesn't seem like there are any, you know, just take it out. But yeah, the ABC method, I mean, you know, logical. This is what I, my girlfriend, she is a double Pisces, Pisces rising and Pisces moon, right? So, you know, I'm double Virgo, Virgo Venus and Virgo Mercury. So she will try to put things there where there is nothing, right? And then I like to observe patterns. So with the ABC method, there is a clear pattern. You know, this works for this. This equals this. You know, like Venus and Taurus, they're luxury. In the second house, it represents the value of things. They're all value. Why wouldn't they all be somewhat synonymous? Why do we have to completely separate them, right? Where is the logic in completely separating them and just being like, no, 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 no to all the new astrologers. Don't do this. You stupid. You know what I'm saying? And then my girlfriend, you know, she's she's like, I have to explain to her, you know, this is what I, this is what I tell her as a, as a double Pisces. Don't question patterns. You know, don't, you don't always have to question a pattern. You know, that's that's my advice to her. So that's my advice to other people. You don't always have to question a pattern. But my final advice as far as the ABC method, just um, apply it for yourself. You can decide if it works for you. If it doesn't, that's totally okay. If it does, that's cool. And, you know, if you want to use it a little, cool. If you want to use it a lot, that's cool. You can do it however you want to do it. So it's so the ABC method is basically saying first house, Mars, second house, Venus, third house, Mercury, is that what it is? It's and, just and, and along with their respective signs as well. It's just about the uh the synonyms, what's synonymous with one another. Yeah, just the traditional um house sign planet representation. Yeah. Real real simple, real easy. There's a pattern. What is wrong with it? Yeah, it's interesting because you know, in in learning astrology, I my amazing first teacher, Annabelle Gatt, I you know, she's so she's the best. And when I was studying with her so many years ago now and I would go to her apartment it was like she she was so she's just such a good teacher and she was so good at explaining it and it took a minute to absorb but I think that that's also a really important point is that like shit takes a minute to absorb sometimes and we just have to sit with it and let it percolate and have enough examples to then get to start to see the patterns for yourself but it was like you know you have these houses and they're clearly correspond, you know, there's 12 houses and there's 12 signs and they clearly move in a similar order, but the houses themselves aren't the signs. And as soon as with my peers, when we would all study together back in the day, it would be like, you know, someone would be like, oh, the Aries house. And she's like, it's not the Aries house. 
it's not the Aries house. It's the first house. And it was like just, you know, it was sort of instilled in me that the houses can live in a separate universe than the Zodiac. But they, of course, they correspond. You'd have to be an idiot to see that they don't correspond. But they can live separately mm-hmm. while still living together. You know what I mean? Right. Like they, they, it's all under the umbrella of astrology. So we're using very similar language and synonyms. But it's not that the first house is Aries. It's that it has those Martian Aries essence and those qualities. So it's kind of like the, you know, it's like the stage. It like sets the stage for whatever is occupying that. And right. it does it in the style of an Aries Martian approach. Or the second house would be like Taurus Venusy approach, you know? And it's kind of like the first house. I'm sorry. It's kind of like the houses are where the signs are how and then the planets are what. Yes. You know? So if yes. you have And the like zodiac a, sign is kind of like why. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, yeah, the how, the why. And then the uh, planet can uh, – it's the what or the who also. The what yes, or the who. Yes, yes, so like yes. if you were to have a uh, – First house, Taurus, moon, uh, the first house being where, okay, so it's you, the moon, well, yeah, first house being you, the moon being what, it could be your body, and then the uh, how being mm, soft, Taurus represents things that are soft, so how, what, and you, you just have a very soft body, first house, Taurus, I do have a a friend with a first house, Taurus, moon, her skin, incredibly luxurious cannot describe it to you <laughs> and and just having a taurus moon in general will give you uh in general it's some it mostly gives nice skin uh very soft hair and stuff but because it's in her first house it uh, especially you know the where the house uh, affects her body right and you're gonna see it because it's the first house the exactly. first house is visible it's the it's what you it's the i've always known the first house is the body that you are born with and the sixth house is the body you create for yourself and the first house, you come through with like that sort of innate body. And then it's in the sixth house that you can start, you know, that's where you're doing your diet routine. That's where you get exercise. That's where you're going to gain a little weight. That's where you're going to lose a little weight. It's that's where you are making those adjustments. But the first house and and transits through the first house are really the ones that are like the way people see you, you know, the mm-hmm. way that yep. people define you. And yep. this, the six is kind of, you know, it also links to that 12th house world of the psyche. So the six is is immutable energy. You know, it's like changing. It's ever changing because it's responding to what's going on on the emotional front. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just fucking love astrology so much. Isn't it's it so amazing? It's fun to talk to other astrologers and just get to to explore all of the different dimensions of it. So before we started recording, I had asked you what house sign you use and you said Placidus mm-hmm. and you warmed my heart with like in only the way that another <laughs> fellow Leo could. Obviously, and I feel like a lot of this comes from Twitter that there is this really big movement towards whole sign house right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm here for it, but it's interesting because even within the past like seven days i've gotten a lot of messages being like help i get like, tons, i don't know what to use tons, tons of messages yes i don't and, know and this goes into that conversation point i told you about about uh open-mindedness and yes, free yes, thinking yes. so let me tell you guys for the li- people listening you guys this is what you need to do you need to do research on the house systems that you find interesting if you see somebody talking about it and you think it's interesting, you do the research on it and then you decide if you want to use it. And then even if you decide you're going to use it, 
you don't have to stop using the previous house system. I told you, Aliza, that I use Placidus and I use whole signs as well, just not as often. For example, in my uh, Placidus chart, I have a sixth house Saturn, right? In whole signs, I have seventh house Saturn. So, you know, I'm a Libra rising, right? So I have an Aries seventh house, right? So, um, you know, Aries seventh house people, we like to get into relationships very quickly. It's just in our nature. And I will tell you, um, I dated another guy who had a Libra rising. He had Aries seventh house and he had a Scorpio Venus that was in my first house. And for those of y'all that don't know, Scorpio, Scorpion type energy, it's very intense, passionate, romantic, blah, blah, blah. Just super all consuming. Right. So I was very into that relationship. And he proposed to me within like a week of dating. Oh my I was, goodness. Girl, I was just a fucking ass, rambunctious ass <laughs> young person. I was just like, oh my God. And I was all into him. Sex was great. So, and I was like, oh my God, yes, I want to marry you. Oh my God. Like, uh, don't judge me. But because I knew astrology, because I because I'm not confined by, you know, because I'm not confined to one house system or the other. I know that I also have a seventh house Saturn in whole signs and seventh house Saturn people are um, encouraged to not get married before their first Saturn return. Right. And I had already done research on this about two years ago or a couple of years ago. And I had asked people what happened when you got married before your first Saturn return. If you're a seventh house Saturn person, literally, I think 99 percent of them ended in disaster. Even this one lady who had already been dating her spouse, I mean, her uh, her boyfriend, they had been dating maybe five years and then they got married, which seems reasonable, still ended because and there it was. So I had I mean, and that was the reason I didn't that, that was the reason I didn't just do it. Because otherwise, I just would have did it. Because, I mean, fuck it. Who cares? I didn't care. <laughs> so I think that I, what I think is cool about what you're saying is that you use astrology as a way of being able to temper yourself as well. And you – when – it's like astrology is a lens for you to almost give yourself um, – to give yourself guidance and self-control and to see things from a bigger perspective and to not let just like your – whatever it is, impulsivity, like make the decisions. Like you are, you take a second and you look at the charts, whether it's whole sign, Placidus, and you collect the information to get, to broaden your vantage. I have my chart so ingrained into my head. It's, it's, I've had it memorized for many years now. So all I have to do is just think about it for a couple of minutes. I never have to look at my phone and I'm just, and then I can make, I can make all types of decisions and I can always make usually the best decisions. And then I have my friend's charts memorized. I usually have my um, I have my girlfriend's charts, charts memorized. Sometimes she can be telling me a problem. And as she's talking, I've got her chart memorized in my head. And I'm just like, oh, well, this, I, I don't even have to say, well, this is because seven and a half Saturn. Blah, 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 blah. I can just say, well, you feel, blah, 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 blah. and she's like, yeah, the whole time I've been reading her chart in my head to form a conclusion. And it's like, I've just been astrologically counseling her. She doesn't even know it. So yes, all the time to to temper and to just use guidance in every way possible. Yeah, that's that's definitely like when I was growing up, I had very unreliable guidance from my parental figures. That 12th house so, center. Yeah, exactly. So in lieu of that, it's like astrology kind of came in as this sort of like surrogate parent and mm -hmm. was able to help me understand like this big feeling that you have, like you have a Pisces moon, like you're having big, big feelings 
and you're having big, big feelings around abandonment because it's in your second house. You're having big, big feelings. But does that mean that it has to be real, you know? And finding that balance of like, just because I'm feeling something or I'm feeling impulse to something doesn't mean I have to react to it. It doesn't mean that that defines me. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be in the state forever because these things move. Transits are, and you, you know, like illuminating different areas of your chart. And that gave me so much permission to not feel overwhelmed by any given moment. And like, you know, th- to deal with the hard shit that happens, you know, like whether it's heartbreak or financial struggles or, you know, really tough things with your family, loss, death. It's like when you can sort of expand your vantage and see life from a much bigger universe, cosmic perspective, you know that you're just moving in a cycle and a cycle and a cycle. And it's not going to be that way forever. So it's like if you have the tenacity and the endurance to keep going and to get to the other side and to focus on what is what is the best version of this story that you could tell, then it's it's really gives you hope, you know, it gives you aspiration, it gives you something to strive for in some of the darkest moments. And I really feel like that has been, you know, astrology is is so I trust astrology, I have such a deep relationship with astrology, I think astrology is always going to protect me, because it's a reciprocal relationship, you know? Yes. Do you have some ninth house placements or some Sagittarius, some Sagittarius degrees, 21, 9 well, degrees? I have, I don't know if you use the asteroids, but I have Vesta at the galactic center at 29 mm-hmm. degrees in my 12th house. Um, but I'm, I'm an eighth house stellium with a Pluto on my MC on the exact degree, Scorpio. Because, girl, oh, my gosh, you need to be motivational, inspirational speaker. <laughs> you are just preaching to me. I'm, like, taking them in, like, yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, I tell some of my clients when I've had, you know, clients who have had tough journeys, I say to them, you know, you have had these tough journeys, and, like, I see these in your chart, and I validate it. And I'm, I want, you know, astrology is a witness to what you've gone through. Yes. But you wouldn't have gone through this if you couldn't heal this. You know, so now we're just going to figure out how you're going to heal it. And usually it's by healing others, you know, Mm -hmm. and going back to Chiron, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you have Chiron in one of those angles, it's like Mm -hmm. you are out there. You got to be out there using your your singular healing journey as like a collective healing journey. It's so important. (sighs) It's really crazy out here. Oh, my God. (laughs) I just can't even believe it. Um. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, I don't know if you know this, but um, Libras, Libras are so forgetful. And I forgot what I was going to say earlier um, when you asked me about my career, that first question you asked me. I, I meant to say this, but I forgot. Um, you were asking me about, you know, my career being so successful. I have my Libra rising at the 27th degree, right? The 27th degree. Now, this is not a, pol- a part of Nikola Stojanovic's degree theory. This is um, from the um, the symbolic degrees written by all those old astrologers. Oh, from the Wave. Sabian? Yeah, the, the Sabians. Not, I don't think it's the Sabian symbols. I don't think they're called the Sabian symbols because these are just an interpretation of every single degree in the Zodiac, right? Well, there's I, there's that like 360 degree book. Yeah. There's, yeah. Yeah, they, are they called the Sabian? They're all called the Sabian symbols. I, I think that they use some of the Sabian symbols as like a reference point, but they're a separate. Yeah, yeah, but it's like t- almost maybe nine different astrologers throughout the generations with different interpretations. Yeah, but twenty-seven degree Libra says 
that if the person has a strong sun or mercury, I have both because it's Leo sun and then it's in the 10th and then my mercury is in its, is in its home sign. Um, if the person has a strong and exalted, sun, I want to add as a as a fellow Virgo, Mer, Virgo thank Mercury, thank you, here. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> so, the only one. That... So it says, if the person any placement at the twenty seventh degree of Libra, if the person has that plus a strong sun or Mercury, any intellectual undertaking will be met with great honor. Do you know who else has a placement at twenty seven degree Libra? No. Kamala Harris, her son, ah! vice president, baby. Oh, my God. I was looking at that shit like, woof. Oh, my goodness. I woof. love that. Thank you for dropping that here. I, you guys shit. heard it fucking first. I love that. That's crazy so, as shit. And I was let, look at, I, and she, she's a full moon, baby. She is exact, exact full moon. And yeah. then let me tell you something else. So this now this ties back to Nicola Stojanovic's degree theory many years later. The 27th degree, Gemini degree represents intellect so you see how it all comes back together and it just so happened that those guys way back in the past somehow figured out that this that the energy of that 27th degree of libra would show great honor when those when the sun or mercury was doing very well when the 27th degree represents gemini just just that small correlation this very particular combination that's crazy to me that's nuts yeah i think that you know it's Astrology as just this is this never ending well of information. And I have always <laughs> said this sentence, which is that, you know, it's like sometimes I'll have had an interview in the past or something where it's like, what do you say to people who don't believe in astrology? And it's like, one, Welcome. I don't talk to them, too. Exactly. Like, they're not my people. So <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I, I'm not like in, I'm not conversing with them. Two, smart people like astrology. Mm. Duh. So Duh. it's like, so I'm not going to say what the, the, you know, the antithesis of that is because people can put that together for themselves. But astrology is a smart people pursuit. You have to be smart in order to get astrology. And I, that's just, I mean, it's makes me sound like an asshole. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> astrology is a very, you have to be such a nerd. You have to want to go so deep. You want to question everything. You're studying, you're researching, you're talking to people, you're you counseling. You want to help people too. Yeah, you're coming up with your theories, you're sharing things, like you're putting yourself out there. I mean, it is a it is a full body experience and it is also a full intellectual experience. It is like the most, you know, I can get so, I can like get myself hyped up just reading different theories on astrology. And just having like my mind blown of all of this already work that exists for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And then to synthesize that and be sitting here now in 2020 uh, on the brink of 2021 and being like, well, what does all that mean? You know, how do we take all of this research and all of this knowledge and how do we keep bringing it forward? One of the other things that I was excited to talk to you about is coming up with your own theories. So what is what does that mean to you? Have you been able to start to do that and put that together for yourself? <sighs> Let's see. So what I do, I haven't been able to come, well, I'm not gonna say I haven't been able to, but like the thing about a theory, 
I don't even like to use that word so often because theory means it needs to be, theory means it's still being tested to see if it's true. But when I tell you it doesn't take much to see the simple logic in a simple pattern, and I know that it's true, it's not a theory, that's just what it is. It's just my interpretation. You do not have to believe it. You do not have to listen to what I say, but I know that it's true. And that's what I'm going to talk about on my page. You know, it's not harmful information. I'll never say anything crazy or offensive or anything like that. So, you know, it's not a theory, you know, right? So for example, I was in my bedroom a couple of weeks ago and I was laying down and I was thinking about my Scorpio second house. I have a Scorpio second house and I also have Pluto there. So going back to that ABC method, Scorpio and Pluto, they are synonymous with one another, right? So when you have, so since I have them both in my second house, that means I have a double influence. So that Scorpion influence on my second house is especially strong. I have to account for that energy, you know, uh, doubly, right? The sign of Scorpio and Pluto, it represents um, the concept of deserving things, right? So when you have that energy influencing your second house, right? Whenever we're getting less than we deserve, it gets destroyed or stolen away from us. And I realized that pattern and I was able to attribute it to my Scorpio second house. And I know I attribute it correctly. And because this is how I know when I'm correct, because I will go and this is the, this is the beauty, the blessing. And I really thank God for this or the universe. I am just so blessed to have a following because I'm blessed for that interaction. Thank you, Jesus. Cause I can get answers to my questions, but I asked them and I was like, okay, people with Scorpio, Pluto second house, you know, what's the deal? Whenever you, uh, have less than you deserve or whenever you have something that you are not supposed to have does it get taken away from you you know there's just a rug get pulled out from under you and they were all just like yes it gets destroyed you know utterly mutilated which is that scorpion energy right right and they all were like yes and then i said okay so this is what we all need to do this is the flip coin of that scorpion energy when you do want something if you know that you do deserve it if you say that you deserve it, right? Because it's the second house. Second house is uh, the things that you value, the things that you want to own. And then Scorpio being that deserving energy, then you are more likely to get it, right? And I was saying, if you if you say it, if you write it down, whatever you need to do to, to embody that energy that you deserve it, you are more likely to get it. I want y'all to test that out for me. So I had my best friend test it out. She is also a Libra rising with Scorpio second house, and she has a Scorpio moon in the second house. So she was fed up with her boyfriend, right? He's a broke guy, right? She She's Scorpio moon. So she likes other people's possessions. She wants to be taken care of. She wants to be kept. She wants her rent paid. She broke up with him. She started saying and and, you know, saying it to herself, she's like, you know what? I deserve a man with money. I deserve somebody who uh, who's going to take care of me, pay my rent. Kid you not. A couple days later, there's this older guy in her DMs. He wants to pay her rent. He wants to do that. Blah, blah, blah. So he starts paying her rent, but he's very annoying. So she gets more specific. <laughs> that sounds annoying from the jump. <laughs> very. So she so she gets more she gets more specific, and she's like, I deserve something less annoying. I I deserve this. I just like <laughs> yeah, you got to like, get more specific. Got to get. But more it's specific. like it's not just about want scorpion you know if you ask any scorpio placement they they say keywords like that you know astrology is about those keywords any any scorpio placement you deserve that i didn't deserve this no no, no. like that it's that word right like how Leo's word is attention or dramatics, right? Scorpio's is deserve, among other things. And so I was like, you have to say deserve. You have to think it. You have to feel the deserving. And so she's been doing that. Guess what? New guy she's with. He's our age. 
paying rent. They're going on dates. They're going to Vegas this weekend. And it's only been a couple of weeks. And like she's changed it all around. And yeah. I'm, and so I know some people would call that manifesting, but I don't because it's very specific to the chart. Right. It's not a manifest. It's utilizing the energy that you were born with. For somebody else, they'd have to go about that type of stuff a completely different way. Jade, I'm so I'm having a little bit of a tripped out moment right now because the manuscript that I've just been working on this whole year and the book that is going to come out that I've it's really sort of like the you know, this is like the big one for me. You know, this is like something that I have been working on for years and put my heart and soul in. And it's called This Is Your Destiny. And it's literally about manifesting, but through a- astrology. It's using your chart to maximize. No way. Yes. But I guess that's also like Leos are thinking in that in those ways. Like it's no surprise to me that like that's also embedded into your practice because that's that's it's a very it's a very Leo energy to be like, okay, how do I maximize the potential of this? You know, how can I see this chart instead of being feeling like, oh, boo hoo, like poor me. I have this shitty placement or like I have, you know. I guess I'm just this way. It's like, no, be better. (laughs) Like, make it better. Change it to be the best version of it and enhance it. Don't just settle into it and say, well, I guess I'm going to be unlucky. Because somebody who can, you know, I... I know that when people are first getting into astrology, it can be overwhelming to read about a placement. You know, you'll read about Pluto in the second house and you'll see something that was written in 1996 and it's like like resources destroyed all the time. And then that can become sort of an earworm and get in your head. And suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, all my resources are going to be destroyed. And it's like, no, no, no. This is an invitation. This is an invitation for you to reimagine what value is and for you to think about possessions in a different way. This isn't a curse. This is like, this is an opportunity, you know? And I see every chart as just filled with opportunities and even the tough things, you know, the tough things are places that we can, we'll lean in extra hard to figure out how to, um, how to have our chart work, you know, with reciprocity and like give back to us in the same way that we give to it. You know, it's like, we have to nurture our chart and our chart nurtures us. It's, it's like a beautiful reciprocal relationship. And that is so true. That's very true. It's kind of like, um, kind of like uh, my dad. Like I told you, he's an engineer. So they use this program, this very advanced program called AutoCAD. Have you heard of it? I have, yeah. And like I know when you get on there, you know, you have to make adjustments. You have to make tweaks. You have to get on there. Like they got the blueprint. They like, people send them the blueprint on the program, and from there, you still have to know how to make the adjustment. Right? It's the same thing. And like my point in using AutoCAD is that just like the chart, it's extremely complex. But once you master it, you get the payout. You know what I'm saying? Yes, engineers yes, get yes, the payout. Yes, yes. And also, I have to say, in, in speaking of all of our similarities, one of the things that I say. To, astro- to clients when I work with them is that your chart is an architectural blueprint. I can see where you have your windows. I can see where you have your cellar. I see where your staircase is. Nice. I don't oh know God. if you're using, if the floors are marble. I don't know if they're wood. I don't know what you're filling in that space. You are the one who has to tell me sort of what the, if it, if it, does the house smell bad? You know, like I need the conversation to work together with the blueprint 
in order to really get a full picture. Right, it's kind of like when the architecture, uh, I'm sorry, the architect and the um, the construction workers built the home. And then once they're gone, they don't know what you what type of exactly. furniture you put in there. Exactly. Wow, you're right. I love that. Yes. Love that. And, and that's where the free will comes in, you know? It's like because you can have a beautiful blueprint, you can have a beautiful architectural space, but if you suddenly – if you turn it into like a disgusting hoarder Domino's pizza box nightmare hell, then like who cares if you have the most beautiful architectural home, you know? It's like you feel – it's like you, you got cardboard to the ceiling. It's disgusting. You got to clean it, you know? <laughs> I had an ex. Man, he can rap. Um, he's a great writer. But, oh, my God, Aliza, he is beautiful, fucking gorgeous. Um, he also had Venus opposite Pluto. And, you know, Venus opposite Pluto people, their looks are usually uh, amplified, very extreme. People have those great reactions. I wish I could show you a picture of him right now. Girl. <laughs> but You'll have to I, text me after. <laughs> I'm going to have to show you a fucking picture of him. But I was in, uh, I was in college for marketing. I've always had the marketing uh, bug on, on me, right? And so I was just, I could, I could just see, I was like, you know, you have the looks. You can write. You live the um. You live the lifestyle that's in that's in style right now in the media. You know what I'm saying? It would be so easy for you to be rich, make money. You don't have to be out here doing what you're doing. And his chart was very supportive. But you know, people they don't want to. It doesn't matter. You know, if they if they don't want to, right? It doesn't matter. Just such a shame. Just can't yes. believe it. Yes, and it's it, it. That's why it's like if you the earlier you can get in. And granted, you know I. I'm very trepidatious about working with teenagers because it's like if you're still kind of like living under the roof of your family, it's like for me and, – and that's not to say that teenagers can't be amazing astrologers and shouldn't be doing astrology. Of course they should. But I – you know, I come in there with my fucking Pluto midheaven wrecking ball swinging. So if somebody – if I'm starting to call shit out in somebody's life and they – don't they're not at a place where they can start really making their own life yet. It, it's a little bit destructive for no reason. So it's like you kind of got to be at the right age for it. But as soon as you get to that point where you can really start defining your life, and I see that as that sort of penultimate Saturn square before your Saturn return, that's when if you can get into astrology at that age, you can do some amazing work pre-Saturn return, you know, because you can really start looking at the system that was structured around you and being like, mm, like we're going to paint this wall a different color. This one isn't working for me. This childhood pink in my room, like I would think I'd much rather prefer like a an eggshell white, you know, or whatever it is. It's like you can start to be your own agent and make your own decisions to enhance and to complement your chart in a way that maybe when you are living with your parents or you're living under the structures of whatever it is to be a kid still, you didn't have the space to do it, you know? That's extremely self-aware. I love that interpretation about your Pluto MC. That's very self-aware. I love it. I have to be so careful. I have to be so careful because I, it's like when I first start working with someone, I'm really listening. I'm like, you know, every hair on my body is standing up. I'm so sensitive to what they want from me because mm -hmm. I don't want to fuck up their life, you know? And there are so many astrologers out there, and I think especially older astrologers from when I was younger, who were, just felt very reckless with the information that they gave. They were, especially online when you read those old morbid interpretations exactly. and people come to us and they're just, they're sad, they're upset, they're freaking out, they're panicking. I remember when I first read about, now anybody who's listening to this, you don't have to panic. 
uh, but I remember the first time I read about uh, Neptune in the third house and it was like, yeah, sometimes they have dementia when they're older. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. And I was like holding on to my mind, like, don't worry, you can do it. You can hold on. Don't worry about it. And I'm just like, oh my God. Oh my God. And I started, uh, I looked up how to, how to uh, prevent dementia. And I was like eating uh, a bunch of greens and broccolis and stuff like that. And I was like, okay. But I didn't stop studying astrology, but I was just like, okay. But like, I would never, I wouldn't write that type of stuff now. You know, I wouldn't do that. I would never, that's just something I read. I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Right. But then I, but it it's going to take the whole chart for something like that because that's extreme. That's like a total chronic illness. It's yes, take a little exactly. Bit more than that. And it's so, it's, it's so, uh, it's reckless to write something like reckless. that. It's, it's like, it's really irresponsible and it really, and you know that somebody who's coming into that space is reading, looking for information and that they're probably like, you know, it's, this is probably new material. And it's like, they read something like that and it's like, and it's like, come on, Neptune, Neptune is so fucking far away. Like, you're never going to even have a full Neptune orbit. How are we going to talk about Neptune in the third house's dementia? Like, to me, that's like somebody who could communicate spiritually, you know? That's like a, that's a, that's a magical, and that's maybe a medium, you know? That's something really special. I can see where they will get it because Neptune is the fog, the disillusionment, third house being the mind. So the mind is disillusionment, foggy, which is what dementia is. So I know where they get it. But to have it, you have to consider other factors. Dementia is a chronic illness. Chronic illness is represented by the eighth house. So what's going on in that person's eighth house? What's going on in their sixth house? And then what's going on in their 12th house? Because, you know, the 12th house is that house where uh, other people have to take care of us, you know, where other people have to be of service to us when we can not service ourselves, right? When we are victims, right? So all of those things. Oh, I have love to, that interpretation of the 12th. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much. So other people have to, all other people, I'm sorry, other things, all those other houses have to come into play too. Not just Neptune the third, you might have dementia, but baby, they could have all types of other things going on in their totally. charts. It's like, come on, what the fuck, man? And it was a man that wrote that shit too. And I was just like, okay. That doesn't sound surprising <laughs> at all. <laughs> women do. Women do not. I ne I have never seen a female astrologer write the morbid interpretations. Never. I've never seen it. I've never yeah. Seen it. I mean, I actually I have quite a lot of thoughts on male astrologers, but maybe <laughs> for another time. But I have also noticed there seems to be a very fatalistic nature to the astrology with you know a more feminine approach. It's interpretive. And it's, you know, we, we throw out so many different options, whereas with a lot of the traditional sort of like male astrology energy, it's like, this is it. And it's like, wait, period? Like, <laughs> that's it? Um, whereas I feel like in a different approach, it's like, it could be this, it could be that. Does that resonate? It, does, does that, do you connect with that? No? Okay. Like, let's try this. Like, let's keep moving. Let's like, figure out how it really works you know that's that's that makes sense in the terms of uh oops, sorry i'm drinking my juice that makes sense in the terms of like okay you know how traditionally uh women are represented by the moon and traditionally men are represented by the sun right so you know how the sun is period and ever changing yes <laughs> right i mean not changing and the moon fluctuates and changes and says does this connect and like that's exactly what you just totally, described that's totally so that's just hilarious to me when yeah, we, when sun, we sync up day, like that like, every day it's like here i am i'm that's home it. same thing and the moon is <laughs> like well it. today i'll be this and i'll connect you this way in another day and the first quarter moon is going to make you do this way and the then full moon is shining yeah. 
<laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I want our listeners to know where to find you. And I also want to call a little attention to your incredible Patreon page. Oh, thank you. Well, you guys can find me on twitter.com slash IJD. That is I-J-A-A-D-E-E. It's just a play on my name. I-J-D, two A's and two E's. Um, I'm like almost always on Twitter. I do have an Instagram. It's IJD Astro. I'm not as I'm not on Instagram as frequently. Um, really just pictures of me if you want to look at my beautiful face. I am a Libra rising, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um back to my Patreon. My Patreon is where I like to talk like this all the time, where you can hear me speak more on Twitter. You know, you don't really get to hear me speak or see my face or see all my hand. Now, see, Aliza has got to see my hand movements the whole time and see the way I gesture and be my dramatic Leo self on camera. So if you really want to see that, that's how you get the good shit from me. Uh, that's on my Patreon. My Patreon community, it is growing rapidly. I would really appreciate it if you join. It is less than $10. It is $9.98 a month. Even if you join for one month, you would get access to everything I have ever posted. I have lots of good content, lots of PDF files, things that I found online. I post my own interpretations. I post um, my videos, all my uh, YouTube content. Oh, I do have a YouTube channel. I, I always forget about it. It's youtube.com slash IJDastrology. So feel free to check me out. Well, thank you so much. I, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. And I'm so excited to be connected and to to keep orbiting together. Thank <laughs> you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you. I love you so much. You are a I wonderful you. person. <laughs> you and you've are. been smiling this whole time. And then I love your use. I love your um your word choice too. Earlier you said uh trepidation. And I was like, oh, she's got it. I love it. I love people hearing you. I love hearing you. Well, uh, you scholarly one words. Mercury, one Virgo Mercury to another. See yes, ma'am. <laughs> All right, dear. Thank you so much.